Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure, packed together, shaken down, overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For for the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. This passage is part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, there's two different ones. There's one for Luke, and well, Sermon on uh, Sermon on the Mount is the Gospel of Matthew. Sermon on the Plain is Luke, and so we're kind of in the heart of it right now. And this one is especially hard. We've heard this one before, and some people interpret it as a strict pacifism, right? Kind of, uh, and that can be a little bit hard in the military, right? Kind of like, oh, the military doesn't exactly. Uh, doesn't exactly practice strict pacifism. So how do we interpret uh, this all? Well, I I think different situations warrant different things. And Jesus is talking about specific situations, uh, but also a heart and an intent as a whole. I think there's two interpretive uh, measures that I really love about this section. One is the measure with which you measure will be in return, measure will in return be measured out to you. For me, I find that really powerful, right? If you measure out with stinginess, guess what? Stinginess will be measured out for you, right? But if you measure out with generosity and mercy, right, that will be also measured out for you. I find that so powerful. And what kind of measure are we really looking for? Well, that's the other interpretive key. Be uh, merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful, okay? So we're supposed to have the same mercy, the same measure that our Heavenly Father has. Now, I want to kind of, uh, one of the things I mentioned on a few other ones that I, I particularly dislike is kind of the modern notion. It's not a modern notion, but the modern notion that's applied to everything, 
which is karma. Uh, this karma, this idea that good, uh, you do good things and good things happen to you. You do bad things and bad things will happen to you. It's a, it's a Buddhist principle. And I just want to be very clear, it's, it's not a Christian principle, okay? Uh, I think that it's a, I think we wish that this was true, uh, partly because it gives some sort of ordering to the world. Uh, but when we, I, I see a lot of people who kind of see this as a Christian ideal of, yeah, you do good things and God's going to bless you. And so good things are going to happen to you. And if you're bad, God's going to, you know, uh, punish you. And, and so bad things will happen to you. And then it causes a certain amount of disbelief because in our lived experience, we don't experience karma, right? One of the things that you'll hear quite often is uh, a disbelief in God because bad things happen to good people, right? Who's a good person? How did that bad thing happen to such a good person, right? Getting cancer, dying unexpectedly, right? Experiencing a chronic illness, right? How do bad things happen to good people? Well, we don't live in a world ordered by karma. We live in a world ordered by God. Now, for me, actually, the greater disbelief of karma actually doesn't happen from bad things happening to good people, but it's actually amazing that uh, good things happen to bad people, that's actually what surprises me even more. Because bad people rightfully often get what's coming to them, right? If someone's a liar, eventually just probability and statistics, they're going to eventually get caught in their lie, right? And bad things are going to happen, right? So I'm actually somewhat amazed that good things, genuine good things happen to bad people. But that's actually much more of a Christian understanding of the world than, again, this idea of karma. Why? Because God is merciful. We have a God who doesn't measure out with exact, uh, exactness of if you're good, I'll only give you good things. If you're bad, I'll only give you bad things. But actually a God who it says uh, in, in the gospel or in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, it says, which I love this kind of phrase, he makes it rain on the just and unjust. He makes it rain on the just, which we totally understand, right? We get that good things happen to good people. But he also makes it rain on the unjust. He makes their crops grow and flourish. That doesn't make any sense to us. We think that the unjust should be punished right away. He makes it rain on the just and unjust. And now, I think this is important for us because we have to understand our relationship with God. See, a lot of times, we kind of like the idea of karma because we consider ourselves, our, our, ourselves good, Right? And so we want good things to happen to us because we're good people. But actually, again, in a Christian understanding, we actually understand that we're all sinners. We actually don't fall in that just category. We fall on the unjust, right? We're actually sinners who are unjust. And we recognize that within sin, that the smallest infraction, if it's an infraction against God who is infinite and actually deserves every single good thing, that even a small infraction of God merits us actually eternal damnation. 
Because God is eternal. God is all good. And the smallest infraction of strict justice would be that we don't deserve anything. And actually, some of the early church fathers would talk about it, that in original sin, that actually, before we're baptized, we're actually enemies of God. We also see this at other places, that uh, God um, calls us his enemies. Uh, Where do we see this most especially? We see this actually, again, in a place of God's mercy, is that God, or that Jesus didn't die for the righteous, but for the sinners. He died for us not while we were perfect, but while we were sinners and his enemies. Now what's amazing about this, what I find absolutely amazing about this, is that he died for us while we were his enemies with the greatest charity possible because he wasn't even assured of our conversion, right? He didn't die for us because he knew that we were going to be converted, He didn't die for us because he knew that it would completely transform us, every single one. He still knew that we had free will and we could reject his good gift of grace and conversion. He died for us because even though it wasn't a sure thing that we would be baptized, that we would follow God's law, that we would live in his love, he died for us because there was hope. Because he makes it rain on the just and the unjust. He has mercy on us all, even as our enemies. Even as we are at times his enemies. Now one of the greatest places that we continue to experience this great gift of God's measure that he gives out to us, of loving us as enemies, is especially in the confessional. In reconciliation. Where we are able to go in and say, guess what, God? I'm a sinner, right? I've lived as your enemy, right? Choosing the world over you. But I renounce that and I ask for your mercy, right? Again, if God wanted to, he could be just, perfectly just. And he wouldn't have to give us his mercy and forgiveness. We kind of sometimes approach it with presumption, Of saying, well, God, of course, I deserve this forgiveness. No. He, we know that he gives it, but we don't demand it. We don't deserve it. He gives it to us. And when it's that gift, it means so much more, right? If you're kind of expecting a gift from somebody, it doesn't quite mean as much. But but when you get a gift from somebody who you don't expect it, right? In some way or some time, right? Think about how much more meaningful that gift is. Because it's freely given. No strings attached. No expectation. He makes it rain on the just and unjust. He gives us and and dies for us to forgive our sins, even without the assurance of our conversion. He died while we were yet sinners. And so what is our response? Our response is hopefully in gratitude to respond to that mercy that he gives us. But also as Jesus outlines in this sermon in Luke, 
to not just live as everyone else who hasn't experienced the mercy of God, right? We have experienced, I hope, that we've all concretely experienced the mercy of God in our life. That God has looked at us and said, you know what? Or, or we've experienced that we're enemies of God, but yet God has made us his friends. And not just his friends, but his children. In baptism, he's forgiven us again and again and again. Right? And in that, again, we're called to do in kind. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to, like Jesus, that as someone is nailing us to the cross, to pray for them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's our response in gratitude. If we just receive it as an expectation or as presumption, then we don't get that response, right? Kind of like, well, I deserved it. No, but... But we don't. God gives it. That's the God that we have. A God who is abundantly merciful to us. A mercy that loves his enemies. That makes it rain on the just and unjust. And we need to live in that mercy and live it out ourselves as well by loving our enemies. Not living like everyone else. Just loving those who love us. But loving those especially who hate us. That is what transforms the world. Now, what are some people that we might especially uh, find difficulty with? Well, a few weeks ago, I found uh, especially difficult to love any 49ers when the Green Bay Packers lost, right? Um, I couldn't believe it. But again, it's not the end of the world, right? I realize that there's more to life than that. What about when your boss is not exactly the best boss, right? Can you forgive them? Can you say, you know what? He maybe isn't the best boss, but I have more to life than just my job. What about when your siblings aren't nice to you, right? Whether they're adult or whether they're children, right? Can you continue to love them? And to be able to say, you know what? I can continue to love you because I know that I'm loved, right? I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to continue to love you. And for parents, I think you get to love your enemies often because uh, especially if you're a parent of a teenage child, right? Oh, I hate you, right? (laughs) And parents, you continue to love your children not just because you get something in return. I think... Sometimes we live parenting in that way, right? I get something in return, that's why I continue to love them, but because they deserve our love and our mercy. And so we want to live and measure out that measure, which is so that hopefully, so that what we measure out, we will in return be measured out to us. That we can live as people who have received the mercy of God and also measure that out as well. So that at the end day, We can say, God, I've received your mercy and I have lived in your mercy. Now, just a a quick little uh, uh, looking forward to next week. Um, I just want to give us a little bit. This doesn't mean that we never uh, correct or admonish. There is a phrase in there that says, you know, do not judge lest ye be judged. Now, again, this is in specific situations. It's the same way about pacifism. Pacifism is extremely important. 
And judgment, it's incredibly important that we don't judge all the time, but there are certain situations to do that. Interestingly enough, one of the spiritual works of mercy is admonish the sinner. St. Paul himself also says at one point, do not judge as well, right? He's, and he's like, I'm not even going to judge myself. And then another place in scripture, St. Paul says, cast out uh, the sinners from your community. He specifically references one situation, uh, and he actually calls them to judge because they have the authority. So how do we grapple with that? Well, uh, next week we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I especially like Aquinas, just to give you, a, again, a little bit of... A little bit of peek, look forward. Aquinas calls uh, uh, specifically a fraternal act or uh, a correction, a fraternal correction, to be an act not of mercy, not of justice, but actually an act of charity. To fraternally correct, and why? Because he he says that uh, again in other places in Scripture, it says that admonishing a sinner actually might cause the sinner to be converted and cancel out a multitude of sins, both in our life as well as their life. And so it actually is a great charity. However, it needs to be done in the right way at the right time and always with a similar mercy that God has. So let us be people of mercy. Let us live in God's mercy and let us measure that out to our community, to our family, to our friends, um, and to everyone that we meet.